Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to continue our conversation about the year ahead with part four of our special series on key technology trends in 2021. This time, we're going to take a look at how mergers and acquisitions have been reshaping the trucking technology market. We've seen a great deal of consolidation among the industry's technology vendors in recent years, creating larger organizations with more capabilities, more customers, and more comprehensive technology platforms. But what factors are driving this consolidation trend, and how will it change the trucking industry? To help us answer those questions, we're going to bring in a guest who is uniquely qualified to offer insights on this topic. With that, I'm thrilled to welcome James Langley, who leads Trimble's Transportation Division. Thanks for joining us, James. Oh, thanks for having me. So over the past decade, we've seen a great deal of consolidation in the trucking technology sector, and Trimble really is the, the prime example of that trend when you look back. You know, Trimble has acquired some of the biggest names in transportation technology, starting with PeopleNet back in uh, 2011. That was followed by TMW Systems, as well as companies like ALK Technologies, KDEC, 10.4 Systems, and most recently, Cubix. So, James, uh, of course, you haven't been with the company that entire span of time, uh, but walk us through the strategy. You know, why assemble all of these pieces together under the Trimble banner? Yeah, if you look at Trimble's history, it has grown largely through acquisition, but strategically what it looks for is underserved markets that uh, where people do real work, and there's an opportunity with a lot of inefficiency where you can transform an industry. So Trimble's had that success in construction and agriculture and in other spaces. And when they looked at transportation, they said, hey, there's an opportunity to do what we do best. We're a technology-based company. Uh, we connect the digital and the physical worlds. We like to connect you know, the back office to the field and where there's inefficiencies in that space and an opportunity to solve complex problems and transform an industry. We can differentiate ourselves that way. And that's the space that Trimble likes to play in. Sure. And when you look specifically at the acquisitions and the pieces that uh, Trimble uh, has acquired, you have, you know, TMW, so you have transportation management software, you've got, you know, in-cab communications with uh, the PeopleNet acquisition, you have routing, you have uh, many different components. Uh, what do you gain by piecing them all together, you know, under one company? Yeah, so so basically, when you think about that whole digital to physical world in the you know the front office or the back office to the field, what mobility brings to the table is the best you know set of real time sensor data connecting you to the cab of the truck. So if you think about you know really the person representing transportation in the field being the driver, right? The best real time intelligence you can get is you know directly from that driver and from that cab. And then the, the old TMW business now, uh, Trimble Transportation Enterprise, really gives you order to cash operations. So it's really the back office applications of managing mostly, you know, from the carrier aspects, whether it be a for hire or private fleet. 
And then when you think about most of the problems that you're trying to solve in transportation, uh, a lot of the problems that you know, customers really want you to solve are related to time and space. So the best source of geospatial intelligence or spatial intelligence in the industry really comes from Trimble Maps, formerly known as ALK, you know, because they have uh, the high fidelity location data, routing, uh, mapping, navigation. And if you look at all the inefficiencies, whether it be in uh, detention or you know, on time and full applications, you know, the shippers are fighting up about with their end customers, et cetera. It's really about better time and space data. And then it's about connected workflows. So if you're trying to, you know, work towards a, a more connected supply chain to make it more efficient, you're connecting the driver to the back office, you know, to the shipper. And fundamentally, that's the way we view you can solve these workflow challenges and make the industry more efficient as a whole. And then when you look at the industry as a whole, you know, not specific to Trimble, but really the whole trucking technology sector, you know, there are many other, you know, tech companies in our industry you know, including some of your competitors and your integration partners that have also been growing through acquisition. So just generally speaking, what market forces do you see driving that consolidation trend in our industry? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of things. You know, sometimes it's it's simply someone looking for a way to grow market share or penetration. But more often, especially from from our perspective, it's more strategic. It's about, you know, what are those uh, pieces of technology that we can get to market faster oftentimes than building into ourselves? So, you know, when you have a certain set of skills and capabilities in-house, whether it be the technical domain knowledge or the transportation domain knowledge, uh, it's sometimes easier to acquire uh, technology that's already winning in the marketplace that complements what you're doing and adds to your bevy of tools, if you will. But we also look at it as, are we connecting the pieces across the supply chain to be give more of that 360-degree view of the business? The challenge comes in, you know, what really do you want to be your swim lane? And what do you want to be your focus areas where you know, that's really your domain that you own? And where would you want to partner on the outside? It's that whole, you know, build or buy decision or partner that everybody else goes through. But I think what has driven a lot of it is, you know, you get upstarts in transportation who see the inefficiency and they go create a point solution. But that point solution, what does everybody want the moment that you create a point solution in transportation? They want to integrate. They want to integrate to the TMS. They want to integrate to telematics. They want to, they want to be able to have that embedded or tied into the workflows for the fleet manager, the planner, uh, you know, the driver, et cetera. One of my, you know, challenges, for example, you know, back in my Dart days was I'd have people come in and present some really awesome technologies. And my next question was, okay, does that mean I need another sign-on? Does it mean I need another portal? Does it mean I need another reporting tool? Because if that's the answer, I don't want it uh, because my people have so much time in a day. So unless you can replace something else that my people are doing today or show me how it integrates then I don't know if I can take advantage of your technology. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you think about the expansion of technology in our industry over the years, you know, all these pieces do need to fit together. And, and uh, you know, we, we have seen how that has been a, a real driving force in, you know, behind some of the M&A activity we've seen. Now, looking ahead, you know, how much more of this do you expect to see? Do you, do you think we're going to see more consolidation in this trucking technology market in the coming years? 
And uh, also tell us what uh, Trimble's stance is. Is, is Trimble open to further M&A moving forward? I think you absolutely will see it continue. Uh, I can tell you there's activity not only on the Trimble front, but in others. Uh, we get contacted on a regular basis of people having interested in our assets, and we get people bringing their assets to us. And, and I think it goes back to the conversation you know we just had, which is, uh, the players that are more established are constantly looking for a way to better differentiate themselves and provide more holistic solutions for uh, their customer base. The world is becoming more digitized. It's becoming more connected. And when you think more about you know that connected supply chain, when these uh, startups who get a lot of funding that come in and they create a great point solution, uh, it you know they've got kind of two choices. I either need to get uh, Trimble or you know, McLeod or someone like that or Omni to help me as a channel partner to, to help me get access to those 3,000 plus transportation customers, for example, that Trimble Transportation represents. Or I need to have a, a, a strategy for where I uh, I, I, I kind of get sold out, right? Or I, I sell off this piece of technology. I think a lot of the movements in the ELD mandate and e-commerce, and there's been you know tons of money being poured in transportation in the last several years. But uh, a lot of those companies aren't held to the standard of long-term profitability. They're building for growth and they're building to sell. And uh, there's very few of them that are even thinking about, hey, I want to be a standalone business in 10 years and I want to have an established, uh, be an established vendor or partner for the transportation industry. Most of them are thinking about how do I build something that's compelling, valuable, creates density, market penetration, and has a, you know, a hockey stick growth rate that I can turn around and sell for a high multiple. That's not our view. We look at those organizations to see who's winning and losing, who's providing compelling solutions. But we're thinking about who's going to be a creative to Trimble uh, long term. But also, you know, what are those complementary technologies that fit into kind of our roadmap of what we want to be core to Trimble? From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. So it sounds like the, you know, the company's general stance uh, toward M&A remains the same, uh, you know, certainly open to, to further acquisitions in the years ahead. Yeah, I don't see that changing at all in the near future. And you know, as you mentioned, you know some of the startups that have been entering the market. Uh, there really has been uh, a lot of venture capital that has flowed into transportation in recent years. And uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know a lot of those startups uh, eventually become part of larger technology companies through M and A. Uh, but just you know, look back over the past decade or so. You know, from your vantage point, how has this influx of venture capital and new developers change the technology landscape in trucking? I think there's a lot of good to it from the standpoint of you get fresh minds and fresh fresh technology looking at transportation in a way that maybe historically we haven't. So they come up with some really compelling solutions, you know, whether it be from 
you know, some new artificial and, and intelligence and machine learning, you know, ways of taking data and generating, you know, more compelling uh, solutions, more creative solutions, or whether it be gamification of, you know, how you get the users more engaged with how you solve problems. And so I think overall it's good because you get new ideas and new concepts. And at the same time, I think there's this, uh, this friction that comes along from, you know, just what we were talking about earlier is, okay, now how do I take advantage of that kind of high value solution, but integrate it into my everyday workflow and into all of my existing systems and applications that are, I'm heavily invested in and not really interested in changing out, but I want them to be better. Right. And I want to take advantage of more modernized technology. I think the other thing you're seeing an influx of with all this investment is uh, you get a lot of greenfield, you know, you know, technology and applications. For example, historically, most of the transportation applications were built to be kind of these monolithic client server applications, you know, for on-premise delivery. Whereas now everyone's coming in with a web first mentality with microservices, which is really more of the technology and architecture of the future. So there's a, a rush from all the kind of the established existing players, you know, to be more nimble and have more of the kind of this Lego approach to microservices and subscribable services and move into more of a SaaS-based world. And if we can do that, then it makes it easier for us to take advantage of all these new technologies and plugging those into uh, the current solutions and the future architecture. Yeah, and that really describes what, uh, you know, you've done at Trimble, you know, the acquisitions over the past decade of really expanded the company's capabilities in, you know, this industry and uh, have enabled you to build this more comprehensive technology platform. Uh, but at the same time, of course, you know, many of your fleet customers also rely on technology provided by other vendors, you know, whether it be in-cab communications or, you know, TMS or, or routing software. So how do you manage that, you know, coopetition dynamic that we've seen in the trucking technology space where, you know, some of your competitors are also at the same time key integration partners for your shared customers. So, you know, out of the last 26 years, I really spent um, 18 to 19 of those years on the, the other side of the fence, buying these things and using these things. And my view was, hey, I, I've got to do what I have to do that's best for my transportation company. So my view is the leader of Trimble Transportation is uh, we have to embrace coopetition because we have to support customer choices. We won't always be the right solution or the best solution for everything a customer wants or needs. It's really easy to look at this industry and say, hey, it's just about, you know, for example, truckload, drive van, transportation, pick it up and deliver, it's vanilla, and everything's the same. But then you get in on the nuances of the specialty fleets, you know, from bulk to chemical to, you know, fuel haulers or food grade, you know, in different types of operations that have very specific needs or different regulations, that require different solutions. And maybe it's more of a, I need a more of a real-time dispatch management because I've got, you know, uh, multiple deliveries a day or I need versus the over the road, I dispatch a guy once a day and I don't have to really pay any attention to it. What it drives is different needs for safety. It drives different needs for regulation. It drives different needs for efficiency and visibility and integration and reporting. So our, our stance is ultimately we need to focus on our core to do what we do best, you know, to be the best ERP system, if you will, for a TMS and for transportation, to provide the best, best telematic solution that we can uh, for the industry, the best routing and mapping intelligence, you know, through Trimble Maps. But at the end of the day, when these other solutions come in or someone chooses, for example, to go with my cloud for their TMS, 
because it's a better fit or go with Omnitrax for their mobility solution because it's a better fit. We have to support those customer choices. The future of the world is more connected. It's really more about how you integrate solutions and integrate data than being just this one-stop shop. And so I think that the modernization of the tech stack, getting to more of these microservices and more of a data-first architecture makes it easier to do that. And then what it forces us to do is be more accountable that if we want people to buy more of our solutions, our Trimble branded solutions, it has to be one plus one equals three. They've got to be better together. We've got to win on the value proposition. We can't hold a customer back if we don't have exactly what they need. Sure. And, you know, James, you've, you've alluded to some of your uh, you know past stops in your career and, uh, you know, you've, you've been leading tri- Trimble Transportation for more than a year now, but you've had a 25 year career in the transportation industry. You know, that includes time at UPS, uh, JB Hunt, US Express, uh, previously uh, worked at TMW Systems. Um, and uh, you're also recently president of uh, Dart Transit, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious to hear how those experiences over the years uh, informed the way you think about developing technology to solve the industry's problems. I think one of the the first things, you know, when I came into Tremble, and yes, I was with TMW for five years prior, so I wasn't a stranger. Uh, it's it's a change in mentality. It's when you go from uh, real time operations and transportation is 24 seven 365 Mach two hair on fire. When you get into a technology company and things take time, but I think that there's there's a there's a cultural attitude, if you will, there's a mindset that you have to have to serve this industry that says, "Hey, our customers never sleep, so we can't either." So that means we have to be responsive. That means when COVID comes and it happens, or when it's retail peak, or you know when you have some other uh, transportation crisis or, or issue, that you've got to be available. So it's it's changing people's mindsets. It's not that you have to have all the answers, but in transportation, you've got to be responsive, you know, because uh, I don't think any of us would appreciate, you know, you know, this past year, if the milk didn't make it on our shelves or bread or diapers or wipes or anything else, you know, our families needed to get by. So if if the driver never gets to sleep and transportation never gets to sleep, uh, you know, we can't either. In addition to that, uh, the other mindset that I've been trying to bring is is to Think about our solutions more from the customer's mindset as opposed to our product P&Ls. I think it's really easy for a technology company to get caught up in the mentality of, all right, how do, how do I create the best you know, mobility business, the best enterprise business, et cetera, as opposed to how do I serve the persona that is the driver to make their lives better? How do I serve the persona that is the for hire carrier or the private fleet to make their lives better? How do I serve the shipper? If I'm going to connect the supply chain, I need to think about the workflows and the connected uh, supply chain more from you know, data, order to cash, end to end across products. That's how one plus one equals three. That's how you drive out the inefficiency. It's not about how do I maximize my mobility product or my TMS product or my uh, mapping product. Sure. And James, I also want to get your... Um thoughts on how much the trucking industry has changed over the past 25 years while you've been in it. You know, I've been covering the industry for 10 years, but, you know, I'm uh, eager to hear what you think, having been, you know, having spent, a, you know, a, a you know, quarter century in the industry and, and seeing it evolve over the years. And, uh, you know, not, not just the industry itself, but also technology adoption in the industry. 
you know, take us back, you know, over the course of the last uh, 25 years, you know, just how much has changed? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's kind of funny because on one hand, I can sit there and, and name all these amazing changes. On the other hand, I can tell you everything that's saved the same. Uh, you know, we're still solving the same basic challenges we were solving 25 years ago, but the landscape and the technology and the tools that we have to deploy to solve those, you know, have, have definitely dramatically changed. You know, of course, my whole career has been, you know, post deregulation, uh, so I can't speak to that, but I've, I've talked to some who've been in it longer than I had that can tell me how dramatic that change was. But, you know, the if you think about, you know, once upon a time, you didn't even really have telematics. You know, that wasn't that long ago. And, and now, you know, we, we can't even keep up. You talk about, you know, becoming more kind of hardware agnostic, mobile applications. Uh, I think there's been more outside technology influence that have impacted transportation even more so than even maybe the innovation within the impact of cell phones, just to be able to communicate with drivers and to, uh, you know, have a, a different way of keeping up on a regular basis. We used to be scared to death about how many characters we used to communicate with a driver in a satcon message because uh, we paid by the character, right? And now it's all unlimited data and it's free. So, you know, uh, people have had to change their vernacular. We used to have to uh, basically, uh, you know, a truck, you, you were in trouble if you spell truck T-R-U-C-K, you better say T-R-K. And a pre-plan wasn't P-R-E-P-L-A-N, it's P-R-P-L-N, right? Because, you know, you had to shorten all that and save money. So, you know, things like that uh, have changed dramatically. And, you know, you talk about some really entertaining messages. Go go read those dispatch communications came to a driver. I'm surprised drivers, you know, didn't go bald even faster because they would get all these short firm packed messages that were saving us money. And there's no reason we had communication problems. But, you know, uh, then, you you know, fast forward a bit into in the last, you know, five to ten, you've definitely had a, a major acceleration and advancement in safety in the cab of the truck where you've got a whole bunch of uh, OEM driven technologies and third party solutions, you know, for, uh, you know, advanced monitoring systems, you know, for braking and rapid diesel and uh, lane guidance and things like that. And there's been, you know, a measurable difference in just the sophistication of the truck and, you know, eliminating those and preventing those accidents over the road. I think that's been a huge change in from the safety aspect. Um, and then of course, you know, this latest in this ELD mandate combined with this whole e-commerce revolution, the impacts on transportation. So, you know, what's happening now is, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, we basically turn the world on. If you think about it, there was what a million, million and a half plus trucks that uh, weren't necessarily using ELD devices in the cab of the truck. They're probably living off their phone. Uh, now you've got a light bulb in the cab of all those trucks. You've got connectivity to a whole bunch of assets out there that you couldn't even see before, right? And the advent of visibility, uh, one of the things that I think people miss oftentimes is what, why do shippers love visibility? It's not just because they get visibility. It's the first time in the history of transportation that a shipper actually gets direct access to a driver. A lot of times there's been a barrier between the shipper and the carrier to the driver. There's been a, there's been a wall, right? It's been opaque at best, but this actually gives them the most, you know, kind of real time visibility straight into the cab of that truck of what's going on with their shipment. So it's more than just visibility. It's connectivity right, in the supply chain directly to the driver. And now they want more of it. 
right? And then if you think of the e-commerce side of it, it's driving us kind of back to JIT all over again as people try to adjust the agility of the supply chain uh, for you know every time somebody orders or buys something, if you don't have it in stock, they can go five other places in 0.2 seconds and find someone else to buy it from. And it changes the dynamics. You can't uh, pre-stock this in advance. You can't get the economies of scale you once could get in, you know, warehousing and fulfillment and manufacturing because you've got to be more nimble to adjust to that pull-through demand from the end customer. So, and then all of this is driving a move to web-based technologies. You know, if if I were to talk survey, we did. We talked to our customers when I was at TMW. You know, uh, not that long ago, let's say seven eight years ago. And uh, eight customers out of 10 were like, I want nothing to do with a web-based TMS or web-based applications. I like having my control. I like having my security. I like it being on-premise. Now, eight customers out of 10 are saying, when are you going to have all web-based applications? Because I have to connect and I have to to, uh, get with the time. So that migration to web-based technology is so that you can have connectivity, so you can have the connected supply chain, the visibility, the actionability, it's completely changed. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. Yeah, I want to pick up on uh, some of your comments about, you know, this increasing demand for more visibility uh, in the marketplace. And, you know, James at Trimble, you know, in your current role, you've been discussing opportunities to improve collaboration among, you know, not just uh, carriers, but shippers and 3PLs as one important way to help create a more transparent supply chain. So how can a technology supplier like Trimble really make that type of more you know, collaborative approach a reality? Well, I, I think that uh, there's been the desire for a long time for shippers and carriers to do business better together. And what's happened in the last few years is you've had some uh, organizations try to tackle this. You, you know, you've got the Ubers of the world and the digital freight brokers and, and different things that are trying to solve some of the inefficiencies in procurement, especially in more of kind of the spot market procurement. But it, if you get to, you know, these microservices, subscribable services and a more of a web first platform, then you can see a world where you have a more direct access uh, from the shipper to the carrier through the 3PL to the driver all together in one integrated platform. The way I think we can help most is we're agnostic. You know, a lot of players, they come into it. Well, frankly, even if you look at the big technology players in transportation, they come at it, but they have the skin of the game or a stake in the game where uh, they make their money on freight. And so the rest of the industry struggles to, you know, kind of want to adopt uh, through them because they see that it's kind of being consolidated or commoditized. I can tell you a lot of the mid to large size carriers are kind of terrified of Uberization or too much transparency or losing business or being reverse engineered or someone backsoliciting their business. We have an opportunity as an agnostic technology provider uh, to truly bring them together in a win-win scenario where their data is safe, it's secured, 
we, we don't come at it from the standpoint that, hey, we're trying to control and make money on the freight. We make money on technology. And so that, you know, lowers a lot of the, the barriers to kind of bringing people together when they know that you're in it for the win-win. Because we make our money on, you know, selling technology, not on uh, nickel and diming, you know, or trying to put another middleman in between on a freight transaction. Shifting gears just a little bit, you know, I want to take a moment to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which of course has been a, you know, a very, a very challenging time for, for all of us, for our whole society, uh, including the transportation industry. And, you know, through the course of this event, you know, I've consistently heard that technology and freight visibility have really played an important role in helping shippers, carriers, and 3PLs adapt to the, the, the sort of this new reality and, and all the challenges and disruptions that have come about. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this, James? You know, how has the pandemic affected trucking's technology market? Well, you know, I, I, I think we, we were all forced into this world of uh, we, we had to figure out how to work more remotely. So, you know, bottom line is whether it be, you know, your dispatch or whether it be, you know, connected to the driver or the mechanics in the shop or whatever, you've got all of this, you know, these protocols and distancing and uh, different locations that are shut down. So you're forced to do business in a more digitized way. Well, the good news is the world has, has become a bit more digitized in the last, you know, five to 10 years to enable it, but it's forcing the adoption at a much more accelerated rate than what you saw previously. Uh, people wanted to, to rely on you know, kind of the old ways of, of doing things. And uh, right now, you know, for the, the shippers now to get visibility in the cab of the truck, what they're asking for is not just to see it. They're asking to be able to take action on it. Right. And so they want to be more directly connected uh, in a digital way. But what our carriers are asking us for is, uh, you know, they're like, hey, we've got to figure out how to manage more remotely. And it goes beyond just the, the, you know, visibility and the advent of visibility and the value that that brings. It's things as simple as, um, you know, how do I support my systems, my integration, my infrastructure? Your average carrier out there doesn't have 500 people in technology. They've got a small staff of technologists and now they're living on on on-prem applications that are supported by that one engineer or one outsource rep, you know, and they're trying to think about sustainability. So if that person gets COVID or that person gets sick and I don't have that redundancy, how do I get the continuity of my business and my applications and my integrations uh, when I don't have that resource available because I have a single point of failure? You know, and I think what shippers have realized, the reason that that visibility and that connectivity becomes so valuable to them is that that really has happened. You know, I could give you dozens of examples of where, you know, someone got sick or an office of people got sick. And in certain cases where people were were kind of more modern in their uh, infrastructure and their support and the redundancy, they were able to carry on. Right. And there wasn't much of a blip on the radar but others that were, you know, kind of that single point of failure, heavily reliant upon a resource or two inside of a, an operation to support all this technology, uh, it was very problematic. And they were leaning hard on us to help them solve those problems and to create that redundancy so that they could have that business continuity. Yeah, it certainly has, um, you know, tested the flexibility and, and adaptability of companies across our industry. Um, you know, but before we wrap up the conversation, uh, I just want to kind of leave with a, on a forward-looking note. Uh, are there any other technology trends that you're watching 
what do you expect to see in, in the year ahead? Well, I, I think you're going to continue to see people race towards the, digi- the digitization of the supply chain. And I think that what that really means is uh, those who get really good at not just speaking uh, data services or artificial intelligence, machine learning uh, applications and capabilities, but app, but actually deliver on them are really kind of the next generation of solutions that are going to win going forward. There's collaboration. I connect the pieces. That has value. And then there's optimization. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is, you know, we're, we're spitting off uh, petabytes of data out of all this information. It's who can leverage that in the most efficient and effective way going forward, connecting the pieces and simplifying uh, the actionable intelligence at the point of impact. Beyond that, I would say I can't imagine the regulation coming post-COVID doesn't push us to more investment in autonomous solutions. And I'll be the first to tell you that that I've I don't believe or um, I don't think we're really ready for that. The autonomous trucks over the road, but I bet it gets accelerated uh, based on what's going on with COVID and the regulation that I think is coming uh, from the government side. So I think you better pay attention to how you can be uh, more remote efficient uh, in the supply chain, you know, and how you can do that more uh, autonomously. I think those autonomous technologies, we probably better pay attention over the course of the next, you know, five years or so. And then I think, you know, last but not least is, uh, is more of what you started with. I think uh, kind of after all this initial investment uh, that you see, that you saw come into this space, Pay attention to all these technology companies. There's going to be winners and losers. And what will happen is, uh, you know, the people that had really compelling solutions, maybe seven people try to tackle that same problem at the same time, but only one or two of them gain critical mass. And now when that that you know, really rich uh, funding from the venture capital runs dry, then those people are going to be looking for higher ground because now all of a sudden it's not about growth anymore. It's about sustainable profitability. So, you know, there's going to be winners and losers. I think there'll be a stream shakeout. We're already seeing in a lot of the ELD space, for example, there's a lot of the players that have come in and they are so backed up on their commercial commitments that they've made and promises made. They've got a whole lot to deliver and a lot of explaining to do. So, you know, that's coming because when you're in growth mode, it's all about, you know, commit and deliver and grow and commit and deliver and grow. But at some point when it turns and says, okay, now I need you to be profitable and sustainable it's a different mindset than just, you know, go by the marketplace or go commit yourself to the marketplace. So there's going to be a lot of fallout and there'll be winners and losers. And it'll be interesting to see how that consolidates. Yeah, I certainly agree. You know, we're, we're going to see, uh, you know, it's, it's been fascinating just to watch over the last decade, you know, how uh, trucking technology has changed uh, in pretty dramatic ways. And I don't see that slowing down at all in the years ahead. Now, I do think that this is a, a great stopping point. So uh, let's leave it there. And Thank you again, James, for for joining the podcast and sharing your insight. We, We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. What factors are driving the consolidation trend in the transportation technology market, and how is this changing the trucking industry? While some acquisitions are designed to expand a company's market reach or add customers, 
Most of the M&A activity we've seen in recent years has been more about adding new capabilities and creating efficiencies by combining different elements of fleet management technology. Another factor fueling this trend is the influx of private equity and venture capital dollars. We've seen a flood of tech startups enter the industry in recent years, and quite a few of them have since been acquired by larger organizations. In this environment, technology vendors often face a key decision, whether to purchase another company that has developed a new capability or to build it internally. Given the rapid advance of technology, the expedient choice is often to buy rather than to build. But even as these companies build larger unified technology platforms, there will always be room for new players with new ideas. And competition will only increase in the constantly expanding market for transportation technology. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.